Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. So this week, I want to continue with what we've been ministering on the last couple services, which is biblical courage. What does it mean to have biblical courage versus natural courage? How do I get biblical courage? How do I take the natural man that wants to cower down at opposition? What do I do with him? How do I get past him? You can get past your natural man. You can get past this natural body. You can get past this natural mind. Biblical courage is the only thing to help you get past the natural natural man, your makeup. We have not gotten new bodies, folks. In case you didn't know and you looked at yourself in the mirror and you just love yourself, which we should, but if you know that you looked at yourself today and you maybe looked at a picture of yourself a couple years ago, you're not getting any younger. You're not getting new. You didn't stay the same. You didn't get a new, you, have, you didn't get born again and get a new body. Uh, again, that's nothing to be afraid of because there's many who would love to love to have had the opportunity to get older. Speaking of getting older, today is Pastor Nancy's birthday. Woohoo! I don't know if she's watching. She has, I don't know, the last time she got to be, she's actually in Altus with her mom and her sister and her family. I don't know the last time she got to be with them on her birthday, but she drove there. She's in Oklahoma. And so uh, I'm so grateful for her 59th birthday, for her to get to be with her family. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, uh, she has not gotten one year younger. She has, in case she didn't know, she's gotten one year older. <laughs> As there, She's not here today. And I, you know, she might not be here for a little while. So uh, I can say anything I want. <laughs> No, um, but you're facing this natural world, but you don't have to face it with natural courage. You don't have to face it with natural understanding. God has not asked me to find out in my own understanding and in my own knowledge to succeed in the revelation that I have of who I am as a human being. I need to understand myself as the way he sees me as a supernatural being. You are just as much a supernatural being, if not more so, than you are a natural being. The greatest miracle you have ever experienced is the miracle of salvation. The miracle that the day you said, Jesus, I make you my savior. You died for me. You rose again so that I could be raised up to a new man, to a new life. And the moment you received him as your savior, the son of God, the ultimate sacrifice for your life, that is the greatest miracle you will ever experience. And I'm going to tell you something, no matter what you're facing, every miracle that you need in your life today is a lesser than miracle than the miracle you've already experienced. If you would approach, what is your need today? It's a lesser, you have already lived out and received the greatest miracle mankind will ever receive. I don't care what it is. If it's cancer, the miracle of salvation is the greatest miracle because you've already received healing deposited on the inside of you that has overcome that cancer. Don't let the devil tell you this is the biggest thing you'll ever face in your life. You're not getting past it this time, buddy. You're not getting past it this time, lady. You're not overcoming it this time. You don't have enough word in you this time. You don't have enough faith in you this time. 
you can answer with, my miracle was received the day of salvation in my life. I received my miracle. And then you tell him, devil, I'm just walking it out now. I received it. I'm just walking it out step by step. You know, one of the things um, I, I share with people and I remind people when they're facing great tests and trial is this, that the devil wants your mind. He wants your mind. If he can have your mind, he can have your life. If he can have your, your mind, he can have your money. He can have your body. He can have your future if he can have your mind. That's why the greatest miracle, it didn't come to our mind. It came to our spirit, man, as a spirit being. But if we don't learn to live out of our spirit, we'll never succeed in biblical courage. We'll never succeed in overcoming what comes to our mind. So this morning, I want us to uh, remind, I want us to go back. We'll look at real quick. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Joshua 1. And we'll just quickly review the the passages that we looked at Joshua chapter 1 and remember Moses such a tremendous leader and we don't have time Moses would would, would we could preach on Moses from now till Jesus com comes back because Moses was a man who sought God saw God talked to God walked with God and just because he didn't take the children of Israel into the promised land, we don't diminish him. We don't lessen uh, his responsibility and his faith. But Moses had gone on. Moses had passed on. And Joshua, because he was one of the ones who had gone in and seen the promised land for himself, come back with a report. We call it a good report. Really, a good report is just a report of faith. It's a report based off of what you believe. Yes, we could say this, Joshua saw some things. Joshua saw the goodness, uh, but so did the other 10. They also saw. So seeing is not believing. You need to remind yourself of that. Seeing is not believing. If seeing was believing, all 12 would have come back and said, we can take it. So seeing a natural senses has nothing to do with your believing. That should set you free today. That should deliver you. That should not. Uh, senses, if senses, what you see, hear, or feel bring you comfort, then you're not in faith. Because once what, you're, what you see, hear, and feel changes, then what you believe is going to change. So if seeing was, if Joshua and Caleb base their believing off of what they saw, then they would, uh, then you, you'd have a whole group of them that would have come back and said, we can do it. But they didn't base what they believed based off what they saw. We'll, we know this, that they based it off of what God said. Because the first thing Joshua, when he came back and he said, this is what God said is ours. If you don't know what God said is yours, you've not been in the word of God as of late then you're going to struggle to believe even if you've seen God move for you in the past. You cannot base what you're facing today based off what he's done for you in the past. Now, what he's done for you in the past can stir you to believing, but you can't base what you believe off of that. Okay? So he says here, Joshua 1 and verse 
5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. God is telling Joshua this, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. That is a huge key in biblical courage. If you don't have that underlined, underline it. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. God never failed Moses. He never failed Even though Moses didn't make it in, he never failed him. Look at verse 6. Be strong, confident, and of good courage. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only you be strong, very courageous, that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. That's the same thing that God, that the word said about Abraham. He didn't waver. What is a man who wavers? He's tossed to and fro. Don't turn to the right or to the left. That's being tossed to and fro. You go with what you feel one day. You go with what you believe the next day. You go with what you see one day. You go with what you hear the next day. He said, don't do that. Don't turn from the right or to the left. That's how uh, Abraham received his son. It said he uh, he was fully persuaded. He didn't waver. He didn't question. He didn't go back and forth. You may have had a season of going back and forth. You've got to, today is a new day. You can stop that today. Amen. You can be sure-footed. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Verse 5, as I was with Moses. How was he with Moses? Moses meditated in the law. Moses understood the law. Yes, we could say Moses received the law. He was the man that received it, saw God's faith, you know, saw God, walked with God, saw the backside of God, received it from God. But God delivered it to Moses for the people. It wasn't just for Moses. So Joshua, he's saying to Joshua, if you're going to have me the same way, you're going to have to get in my law the same way. Biblical courage comes from time spent in the word of God. Number one, biblical courage comes from knowing the words of God. Isn't that how any relationship, can't you say any relationship is developed? You know, if I, I can use this, it's a sh- to me, it's a very shallow example, but it's one of the best examples I had. You know, I had met my husband one time uh, before I came out to California to visit. I just met him, shook his hand, kind of halfway jabbed him, insulted him, little joke, said goodbye, that was it. And we had a period of a month and a half of just talking on the phone, just That's all we had was conversation. There was no FaceTime. There was no social media. There was no, you know, there was nothing that people have today. We just talked on the phone. We just heard each other's words. Our entire relationship was based on words so that when I came out here to visit January 5th, 2006, within two days, we knew we wanted to get married. 
Why? Because the relationship was established on words. The trust came from our words. The trust came from fellowship. The trust didn't come from seeing him. The trust didn't come from anything physical. The trust didn't come uh, uh, because of something he had given me, something he had done for me. He hadn't bought me anything. You understand, up until this point, there was no physical contact. The relationship was established and the commitment to each other was made uh, to each other. Our commitment was made to one another based off words. If two humans can have that kind of relationship and establish that kind of trust, and here we are 14 years later, what do you think God wants to have with you? If you don't know his words, how are you going to walk with him? If you don't know what he said about you, if you don't know what he's saying to you, how can you be committed? How can you stay committed? How can you know his commitment to you? This is what he's saying. He's going to say, Joshua, you need to understand my full commitment to you. If you're going to have my courage, you have to have my words. So number one, true courage. Having true courage is to know him through his words. If I want his courage, I need to have his words. Amen? Number two, go with me. If you would, flip over. Uh, Let's see here. We were in Samuel. Go to Samuel. Samuel 17. This is another... 1 Samuel 17... This is another man that we see had biblical courage. He did. Joshua and Caleb had biblical courage. What did uh, Joshua do? He led the people in to take the territory that God said was theirs. What did Caleb do? Caleb said, give me the mountain. What did that mountain have on it? It had the giants. Now we go back, uh, uh, fast forward here. A few years later, and we've got David, the only man who's willing to take on the giants. What do we see about David? It says here, uh, if you look at verse 32 in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. And verse 32 says, And David said to Saul the king, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from from his youth. And David said to Saul, Your servant kept his father's sheep. And when there came a lion, or again a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and smote it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. And when it rose against me... I caught it by its beard and smote it and killed it. Your servant killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. 
And then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword over his armor. Then he tried to go, but could not, for he was not used to it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I am not used to them. And David took them off and he took the staff, his staff in his hand and chose five stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's lunch bag, a whole kid's Uh, skin slung from his shoulder in his pouch and his sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine with a sling in his hand and his staff. He went to the Philistine with the same thing he had to face the lion and the bear. If you're always looking for something new from God, you'll miss what you already have. I'm telling you today, if you're a born-again child of God, you already have everything you need on the inside of you. We say, well, then why do we need God's word? Because we still have a mind that's not been renewed. We still have a mind that is affected by what we feel, what we see, what we hear, what we can sense. I need God's word for my mind, not just for my spirit. My spirit man is always going to believe. The real me on the inside is always going to agree with what God's word says. It's my mind that's struggling to agree. It's my mind that's going to have an issue. So number one, we need to have biblical courage. We need God's biblical words. We need what God says about us. Number two is we understand this. David was a man of worship. David was a man, that's why Psalms, we have all the Psalms. David was a man who loved to get before God and worship him and glorify him and rehearse his goodness and talk about him. Number two, if you're going to have biblical courage, you've got to have biblical worship. You've got to have times of worshiping God. This is what Abraham did as well. It said he grew strong in faith. What was he doing? Giving glory unto God. This is what it says. We don't have time to turn there in Romans. He grew strong in faith, giving glory unto God. When was the last time you gave glory unto God? Well, pastor, there's nothing to give glory for him about. I haven't received my answer. Faith receives, true faith receives before it manifests. If y'all know what I know what I'm about to say, how many of y'all remember when doctor he would say, how many of you believe you're sitting in a chair? My husband used to say, I don't raise my hand for nothing. <laughs> and he didn't. And he'd say, raise your hand if you believe you're sitting in a chair. And, you know, you'd see people's hands go up, especially if he was at a, a, you know, out traveling. How many of you believe him? He'll go, yeah, I believe I'm sitting in a chair. And he'd say, then you're not really believing because you're already sitting in a chair. God believed the worlds were framed and then he spoke it. He believed it. God believes before he sees. Biblical believing is not believing something that's already happened. Biblical believing is believing before it's happened. Amen? And we need biblical courage to finish that thing out. What did God say about you? What did God's word say? That'll be the first thing I'd have to ask you this morning. If you want God's courage, you want supernatural courage. I don't want man's courage. Man's courage fails him. 
Man's courage comes up short. Did you ever think about those 10 spies that brought back an evil report had enough courage to go into the land? Didn't they? But I'm going to go with they had enough courage to go in the land, but not enough courage to come back out and give a good report. Why? Because they went in with natural courage. That's what natural courage will do. It'll motivate you for a day. It'll pump you up for a moment. It'll pump you up for an hour. It'll stir you up and get you excited at the preaching of the word on a Sunday. And this is the problem with motivational speaking, with motivational teaching, with having uh, quote-unquote motivational speeches, even within. You can be motivated outside. You can be motivated, but motivation is only for a moment. Biblical courage is for a lifetime. There's times where you need a moment of motivation. There's times, I'm not against that. There's times where motivation comes. Maybe you needed, you've got a business and you want to create unity within that business. You want to have unity uh, with those that you work with. So what do business owners do? They bring somebody in to motivate. But what do they keep having to do? They keep having to bring the motivation to keep everybody pumped up and keep everybody excited. Why? Because it wanes. Human motivation, human courage wanes. But God's courage is new every morning. What is it? You realize his mercies are towards me. His goodness is for me. And remember what we said, the Spirit of God said uh, that the revelation I I had gotten up a couple weeks ago and I realized God's mercies are new in the morning, but it didn't say they got old in the afternoon. It didn't say at night they got tired and they got old, and they got moldy. That means that the new mercies you woke up to this morning are still new. It's just saying every day they're new. Not just the morning time, but they're new when you wake up. They're new when you take a nap in the afternoon and you get up. (laughs) They're new at lunchtime. They're new at snack time. They're new at dinner time. They're still new when you lay your head down at night. Amen? It was God's mercy that sent his son. It was God's mercy that gave me my greatest miracle. It was God's mercy that saw when I wasn't enough, he made me through Christ more than enough. Amen? Biblical courage knows how to call in the mercy of God. Biblical courage is not being strong in and of itself. It's being strong in him and what he's done. Amen? So we see uh, here that David, he was a man of worship. So number one, we understand biblical courage comes from biblical words. Number two, biblical courage comes from time spent in fellowshipping, worshiping God. Remember what we said Tuesday night, Goliath was not defeated on the battlefield. Goliath was defeated in the fields. Before uh, David ever faced Goliath, He had understood what it meant to sit with his heart in the fields and with the sheep, worshiping God. And then when opposition rose up, he said, what are you doing? He was so full of the presence of God that when opposition came, his automatic reaction was the courage on the inside of him rose up. Nothing is going to take me and my flock and what God has given me. And you go on the offense. A biblical courage sets you on the offense, not on the defense. 
Biblical courage doesn't sit back and just say, well, whatever comes, then I'll believe God. Biblical courage says I'm taking ground for the kingdom today. Biblical courage says I'm not sitting back and letting somebody else do it. I'm obeying God's plan for my life today. Biblical courage doesn't need another man. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, It doesn't need somebody to come and and say, now God, today, God has wonderful things for you. God has blessings for you. Biblical courage says, I need to hear from God for myself. And that's oftentimes what happens when you see people struggling is they always need another human being. They always need somebody's audible, you know, the tangible, I need to, so they get on the phone and they call this one and they call that one. It says here, David was by himself. He didn't need his brothers. He didn't need the king. He didn't need the, the army of the, the Israeli army. He didn't need anybody else. He said, I don't even need your armor. I need my five stones for Goliath and his brothers. Cause if I'm not, if I, if, if I take him down, I'm already ready for who's coming, who else is coming after me. You understand that? David had brothers. Or uh, uh, Goliath had brothers. David had brothers too, and they took their position, and that was crouched behind the wall. Biblical courage comes out from behind the wall and says, I'm taking ground. God says to quit my job, I quit my job. God says to uh, sow the seed, I sow the seed. God says to set down that medication, I'm putting down that medication. If God says... If God says, David knew what God said about his people. So David was going based off what God said. Now I want you to look over and we'll close with this. Go to Numbers 23. Numbers 23. This is our third point with biblical courage. Oh, and I've been stirring myself up on this. Numbers 23. The backstory of this, the children of Israel are still wandering. They're still out. They're still seeing successes. They're still, uh, they're not in the promised land. They're in the desert, but God is giving them victories. They're overcoming, they're winning battles. He's providing for them. He's taking care of them. There was at point, one point right before this, they started asking why. Why are we out here? Why do we have to face this? Why does God bring us here? And here, as our family says, the gripers get the vipers. Here the snakes came and uh, the people came to Moses and they, they acknowledge we've sinned against God. We've complained against God. Anytime you ask why, that's a complaint and a sin against God. Do not ever ask why. You will never get an answer. If you don't know the why, it's because you don't need to know. If you don't know why, that's because God doesn't need you to know why. He just needs you to know him. Too often times we want to get consumed with the why, the how, instead of getting consumed with the one who authored this plan, who brought us here. If we get more consumed with the author of it instead of trying to write the story. So I'm trying to get a why so you can write your story. Find out about the author. Go back to. 
Remember I said, if you need provision, go to the provider. Don't just try to claim provision when you don't know the one who's provided. We get our eyes on healing and we get our eyes off the healer. This is all part of biblical courage. Now look here. He says here in, in Balaam, he comes up, the, the children of Israel, and here's Balak. He wants to take down the children of Israel, so he gets a prophet. This is a non-covenant uh, prophet. This, co- this prophet was not a Jew, and his name was Balaam. And he gets this prophet, and he wants this prophet to come and curse God's people for money. But on the way, uh, Balaam gets stopped uh, by the Lord, and the donkey talks to him, and we don't have time to go through all that. The donkey talks to him, and finally his eyes are open, and he sees the Lord after the donkey's like, hey, what are you doing to me? Why do you keep doing this? Really, he keeps seeing the Lord, and the donkey's turning away, trying to prevent him from going the wrong direction. And finally his eyes are open. So once he gets to Balak, he says, all right, I'll cut you a deal. You let me go talk to God and I'll give you, if God says to me, I'm only speaking what God says. And if God says curse him, that's fine. I'll curse him. Again, this is a non-Hebrew. So he goes and every time God gives him blessings over the children of Israel and Balak's not happy. Every time Balaam gets alone with God, God gives him words of blessing over the people. Let that be a strength to you today, what God has blessed. I don't care what kind of power, what kind of uh, uh, opposition you're facing, how bad things look. No man, no, no spirit, no demonic power can curse what God has blessed. And so he was a prophet and Balak was a king. And he said to him, I'm sorry. At one point he said, I cannot curse what God has blessed. He kept bringing blessing. And Balaam got uh, got frustrated. Look at verse 19. Oh, I love this scripture. I mean, every time I read it, I just just want to get up and shout, God, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. God is not a man that he should tell or act a lie. Neither the son of man that he should feel repentance or compunction for what he has promised. He has he said and shall he not do it or has he spoken and shall he not make good? You see, I have received his command to bless Israel. He has blessed and I cannot reverse or even qualify it. You did not bless yourself. God blessed you. He is not a man. What does that mean? I'm not dealing with a human being. What happens, moms, or, or those of you, maybe you're on a certain job and you talk a certain way. When we're home with the kids all day, what do we do? We start talking, you know, to our spouse comes home. And when the kids are little, you start talking to your spouse the way you talk to your kids. Oh, you have to go potty? Okay. You know, are you hungry? You know, would you like something to, and you realize, I'm talking to a grown man. Why? Because we we're so used to interacting and talking to our children, you know, handling our children a certain way. I mean, I, you know, sometimes it's relevant. Some of y'all got that. Chelsea's going. But you know what I'm saying? We're used to dealing and communicating in a certain way because of who we've been with. 
Do not ever take God as somebody that will hurt you, go back on you, change his mind about you the way somebody else has, the way somebody else's words have affected you. If you don't know God's word, you will receive him as a mere human being, as a mere man. And this is what Balaam's saying. Balak, you can't deal with God the way you deal with man. You can't, I can't change what God has said about these people. And every time I go to him, guess what, Balak? He says the same thing about these people. Every time you make a point to spend time in fellowship, in worship, in time with God, he is going to reassure you of the same thing. He never wants. If you ever hear a voice that puts you down, that brings, listen, that brings up your past, that brings up your failure, God does not change his mind about his redeemed. When the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, you better stand up. When you hear another voice, when you see another word, when you have another report from the doctor, when you hear another uh, end of the month outcome, when it doesn't look like the customers are there, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Because God is not a man that he's going to lie about you. He's going to change his mind about you. And if a non-Hebrew, if a man who doesn't have a covenant with God can get and have his eyes open. And he said, wait a second, this is an entire nation. This is an entire people that I cannot change even in my own powers. I cannot adjust. And Balak, don't you even try. I mean, really what he's saying, he's warning Balak. Don't take on what God has blessed. The devil is going to take on and try to bring to your mind what God and try to get you to change your mind about the blessing. You understand this. The enemy sees the blessing on your life. He knows more the blessing on your life than you know. That's why opposition comes, because he knows what you've been brought into. He knows what you've been born into. He was there the day you became a new creature in Christ. He was there the day that you became, took the old man, and he watched, he had to sit and watch that miracle take place in your life. And so you know something? I'm going to tell him when I'm faced with opposition, when I'm faced with what says this is the impossible thing, you're never getting past this one. You're never getting past this need. Devil, you were there the day the greatest miracle took place. You saw me get washed white as snow. You saw my past get washed away. You saw my past get thrown into the sea. You saw what God did in my life. And this is a lesser than miracle. So you have to sit and watch this miracle come to pass. Because God is not a man that he will ever lie about my life. What God has blessed, no man can curse. Amen? Go with me. 1 Samuel 15, just in case you think it was just this man that had this revelation. I'm going to tell you something. When he started speaking blessing over the children of Israel, you know what happened? 
It says that God, and if you go on in the chapter, it says that God opened his eyes to see, and he began to prophesy not only about the children of Israel, he began to prophesy about the Messiah. This is a huge key in biblical courage. If you can't speak what you know about your life today, he, it's going to be real tough to walk out your future in God. If you can't get up and encourage yourself in the Lord today, that's all Balaam was doing is he was declaring what the word of the Lord was over the children of Israel. He was just speaking the blessing that God had already placed on their lives. God's not asking you to look for anything new. He's not asking you uh, to get, you know, to come up with something. I got to come up with something new for my life. I got to get a new promise. No, every promise that he gave to me is just as good today as it was yesterday. Amen. Amen. Stop looking for something new and fresh and start looking to the one who authored your plan, the plan for your life back when you got born again. He doesn't change. He doesn't waver. But I love it because Balaam, he began to see and he prophesies about the Messiah to come. His eyes were open. Now, we know this later on, just so you understand, he got the children of Israel off. He, he compromised. He had them to compromise. So what he, even what he saw as a man, he didn't hold fast to that. But look with me, if you would. Are you at 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie or repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. That means God is not a man that he's ever going to have to apologize to you. God is never going to have to apologize in your life for not fulfilling his word. Amen? Go with me if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Just so we can bring it into the New Testament. Bring it into the New Covenant. 2 Timothy chapter 2. In verse 13, the Amplified reads, If we are faithless, do not believe and are untrue to him. Look at this. He remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself in your life. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 18. This was so that by two unchangeable things... His promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to ever prove false or deceive us. We who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength. And look at this, and strong encouragement. What is encouragement? It's courage to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Number three, biblical courage is based on the fact that God is not a man and he will never be a man and he will never act like a man. He will never talk like a man. In fact, he's called me as a man to act and talk like him. Amen. 
Biblical courage is from understanding that God will never change his mind about me. I don't care how many times you failed, you've come up short, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like. Sometimes what it does look like doesn't look like going by what we've never seen, walking and stepping out on the water when we've never been there before. If he called you onto it, he's not going to lie. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to ask you to turn around. Do you know this? He never asked Peter to turn around and get off the water. What did he do? He just came and took Peter's hand. Even in failure, God was a very present help in time of trouble. He doesn't, why? Because he doesn't change. He didn't change his mind when he said, Peter, come. He didn't change his mind about Peter. He said, oh, Peter, you have to go back. I'm going to give you, I'll give you the power, Peter. Just walk back to the boat. No, he came and he took Peter and they walked together. And he's showing him, Peter, if you'll just stay with me, all things are possible with God. All things are possible to him who believe. It's not about what we believe, it's who we believe in. If you'll base your faith off of who he is, then what he's provided will be so easy, so simple. Amen. God is so good to us. Were you helped this morning? We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.